welcome to episode eight of the Science and Dance podcast. Today is the essential first episode of Life as a Pro series. Um, and today I've invited Gina Scott from Semper Opera in Dresden, um, who is a second soloist in the company there, to talk to us about her life uh, so far and career as a ballet dancer in a professional company. This is the start of a really interesting series, um, which we're beginning amidst the um, worldwide pandemic of coronavirus. And we thought it would be a nice opportunity to reflect and look look at the insights into um, life amongst professional dancers from a, var- a widespread and variety of different circumstances, places and environments. So that's not just ballet in particular, we'll be looking at contemporary, we'll be looking at different genres of dance and professionals within the industry. Um, so I'm hoping to we're hoping to invite many more people on in the future. We've got a f- couple of people lined up, for, but for today, this is episode one in the Life as a Pro series with Gina Scott. Hi, Gina. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me here. Oh, you're very, very welcome. It's good to start um, ep- essentially what is episode one of Life as a Pro. Um, but it's this is your first podcast as well, so we're, we're we're kind of winging it from both ends here. I'm I'm very much um not in not interviewed on a podcast with any professionals really before, but I thought given the current climate and everybody being stuck inside and stuck at home, I thought this might be a good feature to kind of talk about the the lifestyles of of professional dancers and um we've had some communications in the past, and so I thought well I'll start with you ask you if you'd come on, so I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, it's good for everyone. We can all stay together. Obviously, I know you're off, not dancing at the moment because the theatre's closed in Dresden. Um, I kind of know already how that's how that is for you. But as you say, is is it a little bit frustrating right now? A little bit, un- lots of uncertainty. I think it's just the fact that we don't know how long it's going to last for. And we're just kind of like taking it day by day we just get the information that we like have another week off and then another week off but so, so i yeah, think it, so it, you it, just it, have to yourself motivated at home i think we yeah, we're going to talk about that i think um it'll be really interesting for people when they hear this to know how a professional um keeps herself going fit healthy mobile and motivated um certainly at this period of time but also in general um, i'm going to try and not talk about the the current climate too much and and um focus a little bit on your background and how come how you managed to become a professional dancer and uh, what what drives you to do that so i guess it'd be best for you to take over a little bit and uh tell us how how it came about that you started to dance in the first place when was that where was that and what was your progression through your through being a kid? Well, basically, it started off with just my parents deciding to give me like weekend activities to do. So they took me along to the local dance school, which at the time was called uh, Wendy Sharp and Sharon Potter School for Dance. And um, they, yeah, they took me there, and I went on the weekends. And I guess I kind of, I kind of just loved it, and they. Yeah, I kept going, and at some point, my my ballet teacher was like, "Oh, Gina should audition for the Royal Ballet Associate classes." 
and at the time my parents they, they didn't have any idea about ballet or like what was involved so they were just like okay like we'll, we'll do this and there we are so we did the audition photos and like I went to the auditions and yeah then I was accepted to the uh, Royal Ballet Associate classes for the JAs and then I went to MAs also like middle associates yeah and I carried on and at the time I was also doing like jazz and tap you know kept me both motivated and awesome. busy as a child yeah and then I guess just with time I decided okay I want to be a ballerina like I don't know where it came from it just how happened. old how old were you when when that happened how old like what, what age are we talking here uh well I started I went to ballet like for fun I guess when I was like three years old okay and then I went to junior associates I think I was about 10 and then yeah then after that I remember I went to ask my parents like can I can I go to ballet school and my mum I remember my mum saying to me I think you're gonna have to ask your dad and I was like okay so there I go I go and ask my dad and my, my dad's like um I think you're gonna have to ask your mum about this and I was like I already did <laughs> so yeah then of course they were like they they talked about it and I went for my auditions and I ended up going to Elmhurst School for Dance in Birmingham when I went there in year nine, so I was 13. And then, yeah, I stayed there. I did like all my GCSEs and living away from home for the first time. I was very excited, but then of course you leave and then reality kicks in and you're like, oh, I actually do miss home. But yeah. I obviously loved it and then I it got to the point where it, like I was auditioned for upper schools and I stayed at Elmhurst for the first year of upper school and then I moved to London to go to the Royal Ballet School so I did the last two years there so I did second year there and third year there awesome so and that was in con on in continuity. So you were you were did your third year. You were nineteen. Um, I'm guessing, and that was um, and that was pretty much it. Was it was it then trajectory into the professional world straight away? Uh, pretty much. I mean, I had a little bit of experience when I was in my graduate year to um, cover some stuff that the Royal Ballet were doing. So I'd already had a little bit of experience in that sense so I my eyes were open should I say was that was that a drastic was that a drastic opening of your eyes or was that like quite comfortable how would you describe that um I mean it was very exciting because you you got to be on stage with all these like amazing dancers which was like they were literally right across the road from us or across the bridge should I say and mm. it was very inspiring but at the same time it was also very scary because mm. you know that's that's their world and like we're entering it and yeah you also don't want to do anything wrong even though I guess there isn't anything you can really do wrong but you just feel like that yeah I understand so but yeah that was like the first eye-opening so what what, then, what what was the, what was that performance when you were still at school and you were you were covering the, the, the company what what were you dancing in um it was Swan Lake actually okay yeah so that was ideal. Yeah. 
And then, so, so did you, did you have to, what was the process after that? Did you have to do some auditions? Did you, how was your progression after your third year or during your third year? Well, during my third year, um, we, of course, like we had to get all our audition photos done, which was actually organized through, through, through the Royal Ballet School, which was like amazing. So then you'd like kind of make a list for yourself of places that you'd like to go of course, at some point, you can't be too fussy. You kind of just send your stuff everywhere. Um, and, yeah, I remember going to, taking a flight to Dresden. There was, I think there was a few of us that went that, that weekend, maybe like three or four of us. We all went together. And I did my audition there. And I um, remember they were like, they, they told us, I think we had like, we had to do the class and then we had like a callback and the callback was uh, like a, a workshop. I think we did William Forsyth stuff, actually. Deep in. And, yeah, it was very exciting, <laughs> very interesting. It was a bit overwhelming. I remember the room being so full that okay. you couldn't really move. So you were kind of just squashed in there. But, you know, I guess that's how it is. And then, yeah, then after that, they told us, oh, we'll get in contact with you. So you wait. You're waiting patiently. And... Yeah, and in the meantime, of course, I did other auditions because that's how it works. Where else did you audition for? Just out of interest, I'm I'm interested. Um, I auditioned for Vienna. I also auditioned for Dutch National. Um, and then I did also like I went to Scottish Ballet and did some took some classes there. I also went to Birmingham Royal Ballet. Um, so the, the so the. the, the uh, so the drive, the driver for you was very much. I want to do classical ballet. Was that was that always in your mind, at that point? Yeah, it was. It was like a. That was definitely want, what I wanted to do. So. It was like that was my drive. Okay, yeah. so the, so the companies on that list were very much, uh, a combination of a combination of companies that you thought that I can follow, the classical ballet stream purely here. Right, right. And of course, like being at the Royal Ballet School, like the director at the time, Monica Mason, she was, she was observing as well. So, and like a lot of English companies would come to the school because we had that. So they, of course, seen us, but we also had to like adventure out and take other auditions because you just don't know at the time what contracts are available or who's interested in you. So you just have to keep your options open. So yeah, at the time I had like, um, Like a lot of people were getting contracts at different times, so it was just a matter of waiting. And of course, like it's it's a bit nerve wracking because you just don't know when you're going to get a contract or if you're going to get a contract. Would you say you would you were you um were you a calm eighteen nineteen something at that point in time, or were you quite sort of on the edge of your seat, wondering what was going to happen, or how would you describe that period of time for you? Um, well, go thinking back, that was quite a long time ago, but like thinking back, I was, I would say I was quite calm, but at the same time, I wanted to know, like, I, I like to know things. So not knowing was keeping like myself and I guess others also kind of on edge in the sense that like, is it going to happen? What's going to happen? But because we were like in routine, we had class every day and we had like other classes as well. You were busy the whole day. So it wasn't like you were always thinking about it. Mm. It kind of was just like, you were just kind of 
it was when you got home in the evening, you were like waiting, do I, do I have an email from someone? It was that kind of thing. But I think people got more nervous when the first person got their job. It, because like, once you get one getting it, it's like the ball starts rolling. Yeah. It's an isolate, isolated incident, you know, it's, individuals will get things at different time based upon where they went, who saw them, you know, so it's, it's not always a case of, oh my God, that person's got something, but I haven't, you know, it's, it's too individualized, isn't it? To, to think. Like right. That. And like everyone's door opens at a different time. You just have to be patient, which like is not that. always easy. I like that um, analogy. That's good. So, so what, what, what was the, how long did it take for you to hear, you know, and then obviously you're, you're at Dresden now and that's where you've, that's where you've been, isn't it? So, uh, for that whole time, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, that's where I've been the whole time. Yeah, I graduated in 2011 and I'm still there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I joined 2011 in, in when would it have been? In August. And actually, I was quite surprised because in some companies, I know it works that you have to kind of wait to, to get put into certain ballets because there there's a lot of dancers there already but actually we started i think the first thing we started with was with um diamonds from balanchine uh so it was like the jewels program mm-hmm. and like i remember like, i was put into diamonds like straight away and i was quite shocked because i i didn't expect that like it wasn't i didn't use i wasn't used to that so yeah that was very exciting and yeah that was the first thing i did and then that was that was my first season. Like I did a lot of we did a lot of classics in my first season actually, which was very exciting for me. Were they, so for the season, with the majority of you for like was that corps de ballet stuff? Is that what you what the the tier that you would describe yourself at at that point? Is that where you went in at? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I joined as a corps de ballet member, and so I did a lot of corps de ballet stuff. And actually, it was quite close to the end of the season, I jumped in for, um, they had like a gala evening at the Semper Opera. And I jumped in to do one of the solos, um, orderless, one of the orderless solos. And um, yeah, and then after that, I think, I guess that was kind of like how I really showed myself in some ways, because the next season, we um, were doing Bider. And my name had been put down to lend the Kia, but I think just to kind of keep me busy and... How modest um, of you. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was amazing for me. I mean, it was my second year in the company and there my name was there. And actually, um, of course, I'd been going to the rehearsals to learn some of the paradas. It was very inspiring to watch the dancers in the front. And then we had the... We had the the stage called the day before the show. And I remember so one of the guys in the company, he came to me and he was like, Gina, um, you're going to have to do the, the stage call. And I, I had a little panic inside. I was like, but like, I don't know any of the mise-en-scene. Like, I don't know any of the acting parts. And he was like, it's okay. Like, we all know, but like, we need you to do the dancing parts. And I was like, okay. So 19-year-old Gina goes and like, maybe I was 20 then actually because it's my second season and I I go and prepare myself to do the stage call and I yeah I do the stage call and then the next 
like that evening they say to me oh Gina you're gonna have to do the show tomorrow and I'm like oh okay so (laughs) there I was like I didn't really have time to even panic or to like really realize what was happening it was just it was so exciting for me to think that like as a child you always like you want to be you want to be a principal you want to do all these principal roles and it, it kind of just got given to me through luck actually um yeah and I didn't really have time to worry or like stress about it because it was happening the next morning actually because it was a matinee show so that happened and yeah then actually at the end of the season it came back again because we did it twice in one season and then they gave me shows so I actually had like a proper preparation which was really nice I mean I even I find that quite inspiring because you know I don't think there are many things that you can do I mean you can try and emulate a similar situation at at school or whatever but until you are the your set somebody says to you you're going to have to do this with minimal preparation time I mean that is the real deal And and I guess that story goes to show that that can happen that really does happen um I think I think we, 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 we hear, we talk about these stories all the time. Look, you know, if something happens, you're going to have to go on. We need, we need people to know this. It could happen at any time. Be ready for that. And there you go. Happens to you, you know. Yeah. I think they also didn't expect to either because I was never called to any of the, like, mise-en-scene rehearsals. So, because I had my own call to ballet rehearsals to go to. So, that's why, like, I didn't know it. So I remember that evening, like I had the DVD of like past shows in the past, like learning what I needed to do and just learning it fast because the show was the next morning. Awesome. Yeah, that was very inspiring. And of course, being really naive that year, I was like, I've had so much already. Like, (laughs) why would I get anything else? And then I got promoted at the end of the season. And at the time I was so shocked because I was like, I just did that. Like, why am I having this? But of course, now looking at it, like being in the company for a while, I mean, of course, other dancers were like, of course it was going to happen. And now I can understand why. Yeah. I guess, I guess being you, that in those situations, you've either got to get a, get in or get out. I mean, you, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a fight or flight kind of, um, instinct, you know, this opportunity is there. You've got to take it, um, and do your best with it. And right. Right. Yeah. Allow, I get, I, I would like to think that, you know, it get to a professional level that most people do show that like, to show some great colors in when they're asked to do that sort of thing and it's for it's for the greater good really everybody wants to have a good show for everybody and you, you kind of you i wouldn't you do it for yourself to to push yourself on but at the same time the show the show's got the show's the bigger deal right so you know you've, you've got to step in you've got to you've got to spend the extra hours watching the dvd you've got to you've got to do that to make sure the show can happen right right and also because you just want to calm yourself down a little bit so in your mind you're like Okay, I do kind of know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, that's, that's a, I mean, that's a quite a, as I say, quite an inspiring story, even even just for me. I mean, to fast forward a little bit to kind of where you're at now, has it been that similar kind of linear progression to being a, are you a, are you a soloist, but you have different categories of soloists, don't you? Or uh... Yeah, I'm a second soloist now. So we have, we have, um, apprentices then we have corps de ballet we have corps fay second soloist which i am first soloist and then principal awesome so that's been a really like lovely progression for you i guess hasn't it uh, to, to this point but you do do you have any do you have some principal responsibility as, as well do because i've seen you do aurora and things like that so um yeah, that's right. yeah. 
so is that just like typecasting scenarios or is that things where you've had to step in as well i mean my director he generally likes to give people opportunities which is a wonderful thing so you get to i guess he's kind of testing you out like he he puts you into roles which he he thinks suit you and it's a test for you so yeah i have done aurora i've done it a few times actually and it's it is a it's a beautiful ballet because i think it's one of those ones especially if you are young you kind of don't really need to like pretend too much because you are quite innocent and young and of course the older you get and or more experience you've had and you've done it in the past then you can also look at it a different view like which is also really interesting when you come back to ballets as well so you can so, do you, so there's a bit of like uh, development of the character within your time playing the character or being the character then that's an interesting concept exactly exactly because when you first do it you have you don't really have an idea of like a lot of things i mean you do because you're training for it every day and of course you can watch dances online now so yeah you can have ideas and stuff but you also you're just new to it yourself also doing a full-length ballet but it is very interesting when you come back to it because you also then have your own ideas and your own experiences that you can put into it as well, which is really nice. This is a reminder you're listening to the Science and Dance podcast. This is episode seven and our first episode of the Life as a Pro series with Gina Scott. As ever, if you like this podcast and you want to hear more, then leave a comment below on suggestions of things you'd like to hear in the future, and we'll be sure to get back to you and answer your request. So in terms of the current season before we had the theatres had to close, um where were you up to? What 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 pieces, what um uh, repertoire did you have going on at the moment? Um well actually we were in the process of performing um Four Ts from George Balanchine, and I had my premiere dancing the third theme, which I was very excited about, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, the process, every, every time you do something new is always a process. You also have new partners, you have to get to know each other, but it's a massive learning curve. And also, um, yeah, so we had this, and it was supposed to be performed like, I think, I think my premiere was, it might have been, it was the 16th, it was supposed to be the 16th, um, 16th of March, yeah, and, but we, yeah, so we were preparing for that, and then the whole time, we were kind of on edge of like, is this actually happening, isn't it not, is it happening, yeah. is it not, and yeah, here we, there we go, it didn't happen, which is very unfortunate, but, you know, you learn a lot from processes anyway, even if you don't get to dance them, but it is a little bit of a shame, but never mind. And at the same time, we'd started to prepare for Carmen as well. Um, but that, like, these things are past now. So the next thing would be um, the next thing that I'm involved in would be Don Q, which is from Aaron Watkin, my director. So hopefully, I don't know if, type, if this thing passes, we'll be back to do that, and then. At the end of the season, we have a premiere and I'm involved in David Dawson's new creation, which he's actually already created, which is great. 
we just have to like do some cleaning on it. So hopefully we'll actually get to do these things. Awesome. So just to talk, I mean, you've talked, um, it kind of leads me on to my next question, which is like, there's a huge amount of story there in terms of how your progression right through the company. It's really interesting you talk about like different ballets and bringing something different to each one. And going from perhaps something that is unique to uh, Semper, like Aaron's work, Aaron Watkins' work, um, and then looking between Balanchine, Dawson, David Dawson, all of that in one pot, how difficult do you find it as a dancer or how challenging do you find it as a dancer switching between styles? Is that, is that something that you feel you have to prepare for carefully? I mean, I think in those situations, you just have to listen to your body. Of course, like, we're not machines. So your body is going to talk to you and you will feel little niggles here and there. But you have to listen to your body and understand what they're trying to tell you. So, yeah, if you have, if you are starting to feel something that doesn't feel so right, like, go to the physio. Like, it could be nothing, but you're actually going there to prevent it from getting worse or... They can also tell you and help you on what you need to do more of because, you know, like changing from things. Maybe you're in point shoes sometimes. Maybe you're in flat shoes. You might even be in bare feet, um, which is all new and different for everyone. And everyone so as, has their process. So as a dancer, do you really notice the change in style? Does it, or is it, or do you just so into it or does it just all happen so fast for you that it, it, you haven't got time to think about what you might be premiering versus, uh, or, or doing it that night versus what you're rehearsing during the day. You know, do, does it, is it just something that is part and parcel of what you do? I mean, I think when you're like busy doing lots of different things at the same time, you kind of just go through it. You know, it's happening, of course, but you just get on with it because you're so busy. But when you're maybe not as busy and you're like going from one thing for a period of time, um, for example, we did Pina Bausch, which I was like so grateful to be involved in. And that was bare feet for me. So that was really new. Like I'd never done that before. And we did that for a really long period of time because it was a premiere. And then right after that, we went into Nutcracker. So that was a big change because it's so different. But for myself during that time, I was doing a lot of Pilates and keeping myself going because I knew that I had nutcracker coming up so i knew that i had to put my point shoes back on and like be in shape to do to do ballet but at the same time it's yeah you, if you know these things you can also prepare yourself and you have, have to it in mind. you have to be pro you, you have, have to be to proactive like enjoy don't you the, the time that you're in as well like you don't want to be fast forwarding too much that's a good point so being proactive but also focusing on the task in hand you know is is, is a balance between the two yeah, yeah. That's what that's it's an interesting concept. Now, to think about like those particular ballets where you're very heavily involved, um, in terms of your like daily preparation or how you prepare just before you're about to go on to let's say do Aurora, what's your kind of personality? What's your what's your character trait in terms of you like one of these dancers gets absolutely psyched and in the zone and, 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 and hyper, or are you a more calm, laid back, methodical type dancer when it comes to preparation for for performance um i would say that i'm like i would say i'm quite calm i like to kind of do things on my own 
Um, so like if we had a, a day for a performance, for example, if it was an evening performance, we would probably, we'd have class in the morning for sure. I'd come to class. We'd probably have some rehearsals. Like if, if it was for Aurora, for example, I would have rehearsals after class for Aurora. So it would be if, if I want to go over anything, if I want to try anything, like listen to the music or anything like that. For me and my partner, we would we would decide what we wanted to do with the ballet master. And then, then we'd have a break between the show. So I would obviously, I'd, I might have a little nap in the day or if I need to go to the physio for anything, I will. Or if there's point shoes that I need to sort out, maybe there's some like alterations that I need to make. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have something to eat. And then, yeah, then actually we have our makeup and hair done for us. So we have to come back at a certain time. What a luxury. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen some, I've seen some people from the companies, uh, from Semper's like, um, time-lapse, time-lapse videos. And yeah. when, whenever I'm going to share, try and share some of them because they are awesome. Or if you've got any, I can post, they are really cool. And I think, I think it was, were you doing dream recently? Were you doing, um, Midsummer Night's Dream or, or something like that? Um, has that been yeah, on? You did that last season, so I remember seeing like a time lapse of uh, of um, one particular costume or headpiece that was like really intricate. I think it was that was what it was for. It was fascinating. Okay, yeah, I have some. I have one of when I did the Snow Queen actually, and that's really interesting because like I get painted white. Okay. Yeah, I think people need. I think people need to see this. They need to appreciate. And uh, I know I think people already appreciate it, but seeing all the component parts like go together for for intricate headdresses and and uh, makeup is really interesting it's something that's yeah. of, often taken for granted if you just watch the show right because you don't actually know what goes into it so how it how, how so if if you've got hair and makeup to get into you've got a warm-up and let's say your show's at what seven o'clock seven thirty in the evening yeah how long are you warming up for prior to are you warming up prior to getting in hair and makeup or is it done first like what's the order of events leading up in that kind of like from call time where you've got to be at the theater to performance time what's the kind of what happens in that time well i think everybody kind of has their own routine um we usually have if there's a performance um around seven thirty, we have a class i'd say wait I, it would be around six class would be um and you don't have to take class. It's a, it would be a half an hour warm-up bar, should I say. Um, but for me, myself, I would pick an early makeup time so that I have my hair and makeup done first. And I actually tend to do my own bar. Like, I do my own exercises that I feel that I need, and then I do my own bar so, so that I kind of have my own routine and I have the time to do what I need to do. But everyone's different. Some people prefer to warm up first and then get the hair and makeup done it also just depends on when you can fit in as well mm, interesting so then yeah. so then kind of leading up to um you're saying you're quite calm you can't like to do things kind of in your own time by yourself is and and is is that always been the case or do you have you found out that that works for you over time um no i think it's kind of always been the case i mean i'm happy for people to be around and i'm happy to talk to people that's not a problem for me but I tend to just 
get up, get on with things and do them by myself to be fair but it also depends on what the other people are doing as well what other moods everybody else is in because if there's something going on and everyone's chatting of course I, I would join in but if if not then I'm also just gonna like get on with my thing well, so there's a sense of normality there's a sense of uh, camaraderie normality like team environment then it's not just a individualized completely which is nice i guess it's important you guys work together all the time don't you so it's right and actually here like everyone is really pleasant and we all talk to each other and we get along really well like it is quite an open like relationship that we have with everyone everyone's like very nice to each other and like helps each other when when necessary so yeah so, it's friendly so to kind of think back over over the last period of time since since 2011 um have there been times where you've thought about what drives you as a dancer because obviously a huge um for the people listening here um especially younger dancers they are completely in in the same position as you were as as a teenager desperate to Oh, and will do anything and work so hard to gain uh, a contract in, in any form of dancing that they choose. But then the motivation changes once you're in a company. Have there been, has your motivation always been quite, what drives you've always been quite consistent because you love the art form and you love the experience? Or is it, is there other things at times where you've been less motivated, more motivated by certain things? How does that work for you? Um, I mean, I think when you come straight from school, you're so busy and, you're all in the same boat of like trying to get a job and it's all very exciting because it's the unknown. Um, and for my, in my experience, when I first came to the company, I was very busy because we had a lot of classical works. So it was like, I was always busy and doing things, but then of course it comes to a point where the repertoire changes slightly and maybe you're not as busy. And in the beginning, that's a shock because you're so used to, having classes at school and then going to the company and being busy and when you do have this kind of break or this quiet time you do feel a little bit lost or I did and I was kind of like what what's happening in this situation what do I do with myself but it it, you learn as you go I don't say it's easy but you have you, you just kind of find a way for yourself you also find other things that you like doing um but then also like it gives you time to be like, oh, okay, like there's, there's also a life outside of ballet. Like you can go and adventure and do things or like find other things that you, you like to do. And that's also very important, I think, because I think life experience also helps you as a dancer. And it's maybe hard for younger people to understand that, but I think you, you learn it as you go. Okay, so that that's I mean, it sounds like when you say that, it sounds like that very much happened to you. Um, if you don't mind me saying Yeah, yeah. I talk about it in my own experience. Like there's been times where like you're not as busy in the sense because repertoire changes and maybe you're not involved or maybe you are but you're you're just covering or I don't know, different things. But you also Yeah, it's a it's a time for you to just learn you, you also learn a lot about yourself and yeah, it also because you're not as busy, you can also like observe other dancers because you can, you have time to. So what are the sort what in terms of a life outside of dance, for you, what 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 is that? What 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 do you enjoy doing that, that keeps you um 
I wouldn't say sane, but sort of, I mean, everybody talks about, you know, if you're so ensconced and um, obsessive about your job, then often you can miss enjoying other aspects aspects of life. So for example, for, for you, what do you enjoy doing with your free time? How do you, how do you try and spend that? Um, well, I would say that like, I like to hang out with my friends. I love to go to coffee shops. Um, or even go to the cinema, like little things, or I like to go hiking. We have a really beautiful place called Saxon, Switzerland here, which is, it's like you you go hiking basically. And of course there's different routes, so you don't have to go too hard, but um, yeah. And it's just realizing that like, there are other things to do, or like, I love to, I love to bake. I love to create things. I also like doing scrapbooks and things like this, or, you know, even just watching Netflix or, I don't know, calling my family, like simple things, which you can do, but it's like, you can put more effort into them because you have the time to, and also just meeting people outside. And I find it really interesting to talk to people who are not in the ballet world or not in the dance world, because they, they do so many other things that you just don't know about maybe. And they also, they don't know about you. So when they ask questions, it kind of makes you think, oh, like I never thought about it in that way because they have like a different perspective of things, mm. which is, I find really interesting. Well, that's, it's important, isn't it? I think um, I, I'm very, I very much try and um, help people to, for example, take a, an appreciation for other things and, and rest is a massive, resting is a massive part of what I try and promote. You know, I, I do believe dancers, um, not just ballet dancers, uh, drive themselves very hard and um, the, the culture is changing, rap- has changed over the last decade, number of decades to be, you know, maybe we don't need to spend as much time just flogging ourselves and maybe we do need to rest, recuperate and, and work, train in a different way. But part of that rest and recuperation is having other experiences that enhance your your professionalism as well. So right. you know, drawing on other experiences and bringing them back to dance is 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 um, something I believe firmly in as well. Yeah, and also it's kind of like just because you do maybe have a little bit of free time, it doesn't mean you can't. You you have to like sit at home and do nothing. No, you can find other things. You can be active. Like you can. I don't know, I also love to do Pilates and so you can invest time in doing things that are also beneficial to your work but you're doing it in a different way. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, yeah, as you say, experiencing things amongst other people as well and, you know, having Pilates that's perhaps led by someone else that you don't have to think of for yourself or, or going hiking where it's um, it's activity, but it's uh, but it's stimulating in a in a different way because it's not what you normally do. Um, right. Is is a is a great use. Obviously, everybody would love to go hiking right now. We have some beautiful weather here, but people are very much confined to their houses. So, I mean, right. I mean, right. But, but, Everyone's like we're all working as a team. There's people putting live streams on Instagram where you can follow along, so you don't feel like you're on your own. It's awesome. Really it's, it's really awesome. I mean, actually, before I mean, we haven't had any more formalized information here, but the, the other day, the all of our all the national parks here, all the, the national trust um, sites have been open for free, apart from obviously the houses. So I think they are very much encouraging people to get out and experience a bit of nature, um, especially in the, in a, in the season that we're in. 
I mean, I, I've only been to Dresden when it was kind of, it was uh, October. So it was kind of autumnal, um, which I thought was a really nice time for me to go. It was kind of still, it was getting colder. But um, at the same time, you know, it's, it, you, you've got some very nice, um, I mean, it's a beautiful city where you are. Uh, I mean, uh, it's, I, I can't even, I would try and describe it through, uh, through the screen here or the, the on podcast, but it's better if you do that. What's, what's Dresden like as a, as a place? Um, I think it's, it's a very quiet place, I would say. Um, but once you know where things are happening, there's actually a lot going on. You just need to know about it. How's your German? Um, but like, yeah, I mean, in during the winter time, I mean, a lot of people tend to stay at home or like go to coffee shops or I don't know. So it's like, it seems very quiet, but it's very beautiful. Um, but then in the summertime, when the sun comes out, like there's so many people everywhere. You're like, where have these been all winter? Um, and a lot of people, they go to the park, they sit with their friends. And it's really, it's really nice and friendly. I mean, it's beautiful. I, I'm just picturing like in my mind the the where the theatre is, and I think it is one of the you know the grandest theatres and spaces you can imagine, because it doesn't, it's not overlooked by huge offices or or other buildings like that, is it? It's um, it's set in a. Right. It, it, it's on Theatre Platz, so it has its own little square. And yeah. How how I was just I was just saying how is how's your German. My German, um, I wouldn't say it's the best, but I would say that I can get by. Awesome. If I have a problem or if I really need to speak German, I can say what I need to say. But after being here for this long now, I would like it to be better. But it's um, one of those things, I think because we don't speak it every day, because we speak English in the theatre, it's, it's something that I have to do in my own time, which I do try and do. I have had classes and lessons but it's it's a matter of using it every single day yeah so yeah i would like it to be better but it's a matter of like using it every day and and we don't so it's just a process i think so my, my next kind of line of questioning were there a couple of ones that were people have suggested that i ask um and you haven't you you might have touched on them already, but I think uh, we've talked about past experiences and how you've grown as a dancer and kind of learned and and different roles. But for example, if you could give advice to sixteen seventeen year old Gina, what would that what might that look like? What you know if you had the same head that you had now on younger shoulders. Um, to not worry as much, actually, or not to overthink things too much. It's easier said than done because I still still do it a little bit. But sometimes things are like not in your control, and you just have to you just have to find a way for yourself that works for you in in any situation. If things aren't going maybe the way you want them to, or you don't understand the way things are going. Like sometimes it's not even about you as a person. It's maybe, it's maybe the other person, like maybe it's to do with them. You know, it's, I think to just not overthink things too much because it's not really, you're the only one that's kind of like worrying yourself in a way. That's interesting. And also that it's like, it's okay to, to be really busy and like 
feeling really tired. Actually, I kind of love that feeling, to be fair. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, we've obviously, I, I think that's so interesting that you said that. Um, because I was talking to some some dancers that are at college uh, the, the other day, and we've had to close, and they're really sad about that. And at the same time, in the same breath, they a lot of them tell me how tired they are, but they would not change what they're doing for the world. Do you know what I'm saying? So, right. you know, they love the they love the feeling of what they're doing. You know, and that is part and parcel of what they love about it. They love being that busy and I think when they stop being that busy it suddenly there's that appreciation for it right because you, it, it's something that you're so used to doing when you're really busy and you like you're really tired and your body's like feeling good in the sense like it's really in shape you have you have a lot of motivation then also because you're like you're on a roll so you keep going and it's a nice feeling but of course at the same time because you are so busy you do feel tired but once that moment's over, you like you miss it because it's I don't know you. It's kind of what you strive for. Like I don't know when you go on stage and you have that adrenaline rush, it's it's so satisfying that it's like oh I want that again. So when you do have downtime, of course it's nice sometimes. But when it happens for a long period of time, like you miss the the active side of it. So are you? I mean, are you missing dancing at the moment? Are you are you are you missing doing what you do every day? Would you or are you great? Are you grateful for at the same time for a, a little bit of reflection time, or are you eager to get to get back into the swing of things? Like, I mean, the first few days it was okay, like it was rest days in a way. But now that it keeps going and the time keeps getting longer, I, like I want to get active. I want to do things. So I'm like doing a Pilates in the morning. I'm taking class on my kitchen counter, um, you know, because I, I want to keep moving. Like, it also motivates me to start my day and do things. So, yeah, I, I am eager to get back to the studio and, like, get back into my routine because I like my routine. But at the same time, because I can't right now, there are other things I'm doing. So things like paperwork, which I don't particularly enjoy doing, I'm kind of like, I have to do this now because... If I don't, I'm kind of wasting the time. Yeah, but I'm also like talking a lot with my family and my sister, who's she's actually studying sports science at awesome. university in awesome. London. So we have a lot of conversations, which like we can we can understand each other. <laughs> That's <nice>. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I think uh, it's becoming a it's becoming a hot topic, but you know, I think the. Uh, the aspects of keeping people interested and motivated was one of the reasons that I wanted to do this kind of life as a pro kind of podcast. But you talked, you talked about, let's go back a second because you talked about baking and we've talked before and, and that is, uh, uh, it's, it's a passion of mine, but I'm more in the, the field of appreciation of baked goods. So yeah, I won't necessarily, okay. I take advantage of the, the, the baking that other people do. And that's very selfish of me, but at the same time, I, I always appreciate it. Um, a friend of mine um, gave gave me uh, something the other day, which was a, a banana bread with chocolate and walnut in it, but no sugar. I was quite impressed by that. I was amazed as to how that... The option. Oh, it was a hugely healthy option. And, I, and with the amount that I eat, that's probably a good idea. Um, but what are the kind of things that... Is, is baking therapeutic for you? Is it, you know, you'd say you like to go for coffee. Like, I am definitely a coffee lover. Um 
is it do you find baking quite therapeutic or is it an is it an excuse to go and have when you go and have a coffee is that's like some quiet time like what's the what what your feel feelings towards that um well when i bake myself it's just because i just generally love doing it and i also like eating it so um yeah i mean it also keeps me busy and because it keeps me busy and i actually like doing it and i can also experiment with it like I don't think you can really go wrong with baking. It's it might not look so nice always, but it's always going to taste. Good, I tr- you know? I promise you, you can go wrong. That, that's just me speaking, but I promise you, it can you go. Can, maybe uh, you can go wrong, but I mean, wrong in the sense that like you might not want to give it to someone because <laughs> it might not look very nice. But <laughs> so I mean, in terms of uh, like when you when you're. Um, preparing your yourself and we talked a little bit about this earlier this is kind of backtracking a little bit I mentioned that I've seen you prepare prepare for things by jumping on the bike I've seen you quite active on the spinning bike and things like that and obviously you you look after yourself in a variety of ways but is, is that something you choose to buy into um, for yourself because you want to benefit yourself or is that is that very much like what is it provided for you what, what how do you work around keeping yourself fit healthy nourished in the right way i mean we have physios um at the semper opera so like you, you organize it by yourself like you look at your own schedule they have a little book downstairs and you put your name there when it when it works for you so i go to them of course if i do have a niggle or even if i don't just to kind of keep on top of things for myself like because you, you get to know your body and you understand it um and on the fitness side, like, yeah, I use the spinny bike. I like to do that for cardio. It keeps, keeps me moving, keeps me going. If I have hard ballets coming up or even not, even if I just want to keep myself moving. Um, but in the sense of like other things like body conditioning or Pilates, like that's something that I invest in out of my own pocket. We do that because we don't have that at the theater. So if you want to do extra stuff, it's something that you kind of, you do yourself. Um, I also have a gym membership, which I use, but I kind of use it more for the sauna. I like to go to the sauna. So yeah, I try to take care of things myself, but I also just do things that I like doing. Like I don't want to go and do something that I don't want to do because then it's like, then it's not good because then I don't really want to do it. Yeah, I think I'm probably I, not going to do it very well. I think the, so I try the, to do things that I'm interested in. Yeah, the, the buy-in is so important. You know, dancers spend the times being so active. You know, often it can seem like a bit of a... I don't want to say a chore, but like a an over-egged necessity to, you know, train more or and cross-training and being fit to dance. And I've heard it all. is like the buzzword. It's basically what I do, but... Um, at the same time that you you have got to be stimulated and enjoy what it is you're doing you know I, I think that's super important because you are active so 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 much um to kind of again fast forward in the future all things being equal what is what do you kind of aspire to what's what's next for you is it just a continuation of of trying to keep progressing your yourself as a dancer or do you you know in in 10 years time where do you where do you kind of see yourself um i mean i wouldn't say i'm one of those people that has like a plan b um of course i have ideas in my head that like things that i enjoy and that i like doing but i feel like i'm one of those people that is like 
I'm in it in the moment and I want to jo- enjoy it for what it is. Like, I don't want to think too far forward because then I feel like I'm not concentrated on what I'm doing. Um, but like, as of now, I kind of just like, I'm eager to dance more. I'm eager to like have more experience and also to learn from other people as well. I think that's really important because everyone's at a different stage in their life and you can learn so much from other people. So yeah, I mean, I just kind of like, I think I, I'm second soloist and I kind of want to enjoy a lot of the things that I'm get, getting now, but I also, I am hungry to learn other, other things and from other people. So I guess it's just a, a matter of like, time will tell and it will, I'll just kind of see what happens as I go. Of course I have goals and I have things that I would like and ideas, but you sometimes these things are not really in your control. Like you kind of, I don't want to say you have to wait. You do have to like push yourself and put yourself out there, but you can, you do kind of just have to like see what happens. So on that, in the same breath, what if, if it's for example, not an inverted commas Gina's day for whatever reason, you know, everybody has kind of, what's your way of dealing with that? Um, Because some people are, I, I have, I have two kind of stereotypes in mind about, this that I often portray to people. You've got some people over here that will pummel themselves with the thing that they can't, couldn't get right until it's right. And you have the people on this side over here that will um, would like to step away from something and then go back to it with a, with a, a clearer mind or a fresher mind. What's your way of dealing with things that perhaps are a little bit um, testing? Um, well, in the moment, I would probably keep going until I can get it right, because it will frustrate me that it's not working. Um, but of course, it comes to a point where you're like, okay, enough is enough. Like I have done this like so many times. And I think it's easier that I come back to it tomorrow with a fresh mind. So it depends on the situation. I mean, I'm not going to give up in that moment, I will keep going. But yeah, you also don't want to get stuck on it too much because that'll make you a little bit crazy, I think. Mm. And it's, 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 um, you've kind of spanned both there a little bit, isn't it? You know, you, you, yeah. And, and let's, let's be frank. Do you, do you, how often, do you have days like that? Is that normal to you? Do you just accept it for what it is? Or, um, are you one of the lucky few? <laughs> no, I think I have days like that. I mean, we don't always wake up on the right side of the bed, you know, we, we do have bad days sometimes. And yeah, I mean, because you have to still get on with your day. Okay. It might not be the best day. You might be like, well, tomorrow's going to be a new day, but you still have to get on with that day because you have work to do. And also you have other people around you. You don't want to like, you don't really want to like bring them down with you. So it's better that you just get on with it. Do you have that sense of kind of group responsibility to, keep the room lifted kind of thing. Like I know that's probably, you're paid to do this, so that's expected of you, but do you feel that energy around you? Do you, could you kind of feel uplifted or like you are uplifting? Is that how you would describe it? Or is it not as complex as that? I mean, I think it, I mean, people that I'm close to, if like they'd probably know if I'm having a bad day. Um, and also if I'm having a bad day, like I, I will also say, oh, I'm not having such a good day today, but I think it's one of those things you do have to get on with it. So you just, you just have to find a way that's going to like 
you just get on with things. And also not everyone's having a bad day when you're having a bad day. So other people will be smiling and laughing and having fun. So you kind of just have to get yourself out of it and join in with them as well. Mm. Um, because actually things aren't really that bad. If it doesn't work, it's okay. Like it might be annoying, but you can come and fix it tomorrow. You just don't give up. That's it. That's a, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty strong, solid uh, response to that. Well, I mean, Gina, we've talked for best part of an hour now, and I didn't think we we, we didn't think that it was going to be that long. You seem a bit shocked by that, but you this has been awesome. I think we've to take the to take the podcast away from just the the topics of sports science or dance science has been really really interesting. And and obviously, most of the time when I speak to people online or I speak to people in person, we're talking about. The lifestyle of a dancer and where strength and conditioning or sports science whatever or pilates fits into that and so i think this has been really wholesome as the first one in this series to um reflect upon all your time so far as a professional um giving advice to your former self is always hard <laughs> um but a sense of like appreciation for other things in in life um there's definitely been a theme throughout this 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 podcast today so i'm just going to say like massive thank you for agreeing to do this it's been awesome like i've just enjoyed listening to it so it's great of course and thank you for having me and i hope everybody else who's listening um can learn something as well i'm sure they will i'm sure and people might even have um questions for you or want to maybe not questions they might want to follow up others to put a maybe even continue to put a, a face to a name and follow your journey to, as being a second soloist and beyond. So where's, you've got an Instagram handle. I'll let you say it because I don't want to get it wrong. Okay. So yeah, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at Gina underscore the underscore ballerina. And yeah, if you have any questions or you, yeah, you just want to know things. Like, feel free to message me. I'd be happy to answer. I I, I like. I mean, uh, personally, I I asked you this. Like, I like your Instagram because it it does um it shows a variety of things in terms of like um, it's very honest about like your ballet. There's lots of nice things on there. Whether it's you practicing or doing certain roles in the studio, and then also having coffee. There's lots of family stuff on there, which is you know you've got an open profile. So like it's really rounded in terms of everything that you've talked about is actually there in black and white. It's very true for people to put that into context for them. Yeah. I mean, my Instagram is kind of, it is me. So what you see on there is like things that I like. It's not just, it's not just ballet. It's like everything that I like to do or get involved with. I mean, that is, is great. And, and, is 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 that is that best the best place for people to find you is is Instagram is that right? I would say so, yeah. Okay. And awesome. then, yeah, we'll take it from there. Like once they contact me, and I, me, I think I even think at this time when people are stuck indoors, I I I mean I'm even going to recommend to people that they get in touch with you for baking recipes because it sounds like, um, you have some experimental ideas and and some things. I know plenty of dancers that like to bake, so maybe that's a a line of attack for people to get in touch yeah, with you <laughs> and keep everybody busy. Well, Gina, thanks very much. And uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're very welcome. And thank you too.